all the food and dietary supplements that we mentioned on this program are intended to contribute to the daily diet and overall health. You know, they're not intended for the use in the prevention, treatment, mitigation, or cure of a disease or health-related condition. Uh, individuals who have or suspect that they have an illness or who wish to commence a diet or exercise program should be consulting with an appropriately licensed healthcare practitioner for their medical health history evaluation, uh, diagnosis, treatment, and health recommendations. Welcome to the Health and Wellness Hour with Dr. Joel Wallach and pharmacist Keith Abel. They believe when it comes to nutrition and supplementation, the modern medical system has failed you, that our body is divinely designed to repair itself given the correct foundation of nutrients. With a combined 85 years experience in health, nutrition, and supplementation, they bring a unique perspective on how to manage disease and improve one's health. Over the next hour, Dr. Wallach and pharmacist Keith will discuss health and wellness topics seen in the news. They'll discuss trends in nutrition and supplementation and how you can take control of your own health and your future. Let's get on with the show. There you go, Dr. Wallach. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is pharmacist Keith Abel. I am a uh, practicing pharmacist and uh, holistic health coach. Uh, I'm Dr. Wallach, I'll let you introduce yourself and who you are for the folks that have never been here before. And I'm going to go ahead and jump off here got some things I got to take care of. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, be safe. Passing. Be safe and give our love and blessings and prayers to everybody. I will. And the recording is going. So okay. Thank you. Set up. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, yes, we're top of the hour. So let's get going here. I am uh, Dr. Joel Wallach. And um, what makes me different, let's see here. Um, what makes me different is that I do have a degree in agriculture. I do have a degree in veterinary medicine. I have a postdoctoral fellowship, kind of like a PhD degree in pathology from the Center for the Biology of Natural Systems at Washington University in St. Louis and Barnes Hospital. Uh, my thesis, which originally was 5,000 pages, edited down to 1,200 pages, is in the Smithsonian Institute as a national treasure. I'm very, very proud of that. And it introduced a science called epigenetics, which replaced genetics. Uh, prior to that study, where I did 20,000 autopsies, um, 454 species of animals and humans, uh, I think it was 17,000 and some change of 454 species of animals and 3,000 humans in that study. Um, before that, everybody believed that all the diseases were genetic. Well, I showed that there were no genetically transmitted diseases, there were no genetically transmitted birth defects, which should have been a hallelujah for everybody, and they just zipped up their lips and didn't say anything good or bad. They just melted away and didn't say anything, but um, there's a, a big NIH grant, $25 million. And we got the grant because um, my first paper was my first scientific papers. It was published in two scientific journals. Uh, I did uh, 50 autopsies on lambs that had died uh, in one night, 500 had died in one night. And it turns out it was from a combination of environment and a, um, pollution and got it all written up. And I, you know, was so excited. I got it published and gave it to everybody, including Marlon Perkins from the old Mutual Omaha Kingdom show, whom I had worked for, you know, in the, in the petting zoo and kitty zoo when I was in high school. And um, uh, let's see here. Um, after graduating veterinary school, I went and started, I was going to finish my PhD degree in pathology. And I went to Iowa State University up in Ames, Iowa. And one year into that, I had two years to go. So one year into that, um, 
uh, Perkins uh, calls and says, look, I need you to go to Africa and work on the White Rhino Conservation Project. When you come back, uh, it might be two years or five years, whatever it is, I'll help you get back into college. Said, okay, you can't refuse Marlon Perkins. So went to Africa and was two years into it. And he sends me another letter saying, well, using your paper on those lamb die off and pollution, we got a $25 million grant here. We need you back here immediately to be the pathologist on the project. And he says, I'll send you back to Africa when it's done, if you want to. I said, okay, you can't refuse Marlon Perkins. So I came back and to make a long story short, um, show very clearly there were no genetically transmitted diseases um, and no genetically transmitted birth defects. Well, uh, again, to make a long story short, uh, when that project was over, uh, I went to, I, uh, to excuse me, to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and worked at the Yerkes Primate Center for NASA and their monkey colony. It was they're training monkeys to go to space and so forth. And I ran into the first uh, non-human case of cystic fibrosis, supposed to be a genetic disease of kids. And uh, to make a long story short, I sent copies of the slides of the pancreas and the liver out to, I don't know, about a half a dozen medical schools in the United States and said, I think this is cystic fibrosis. What do you think? But I didn't tell it was from a monkey. I just said, I think it's cystic fibrosis. So they wrote me back on their letterhead. Remember, this is 1977. And said, yeah, all of them said, this is a classic example of cystic fibrosis. I was so excited. And I sent them back another letter saying, well, thank you for your diagnoses. Um, this isn't a monkey. And at the very least, we have a an animal model now. They were so excited. And I got permission to do biopsies of the pancreas and the, and the livers and the lungs of the other 24 baby monkeys in the colonies that had different moms and dads. So they weren't blood related. They were related. They were all monkeys, but they weren't same mom and dad, all about the same age. And they all had cystic fibrosis. And it turned out that the diet had been tinkered with by a behaviorist, um, a, a wife and husband, um, um, by the name of, of Jeffrey and Nellie Bourne. And so uh, when I came back and got permission to do the others and they all were positive for cystic fibrosis, got it written up and it said very clearly, this is not a genetic thing, it's a nutritional deficiency. And they fired me from Yerkes Primary Center. To make a long story short, that's when I went back and became a physician in 1982. And because I knew that the medical system was missing it badly and we were in trouble. Again, to make a long story short, and we're going to move forward to, um, let's see here, let's go to April 16, 2013, and um, had, you know, gosh, over 100 uh, CDs, over 50 DVDs, 15 books, 75 scientific publications and scientific journals of all kinds, pharmacy and, and um, medical journals and so on, and uh, um, reported that um, the baby formulas, Infamil, Similac, and others were missing these minerals. And that was the cause of cystic fibrosis and muscular dystrophy and the sudden death syndrome. Mothers were not laying on their babies. They were dying of a nutritional deficiency, heart attack, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, heart disease, which is what kills all these young athletes. We had one just die a couple of weeks ago here. Um, they need to be having all these young athletes be taking the 90th century nutrients for six months before they let them into training camp so they won't die. And then, um, the federal judges ruled in our favor because Dr. Milana and I had gone to Qishan University in Heilongjiang, China, and did 1,700 autopsies on kids under the age of 10. And they all had all died of heart attacks under the age of 10 from this one nutritional deficiency. 35% of them had cystic fibrosis, 100% had muscular and uh, I think it was uh, a little over 100 
uh, under the age of 10 had uh, what would be called um, sentiment death syndrome here in America. And so at any rate, to make a long story short, we got it published and the federal judges had to go in our favor. They ruled that these baby food farmers had to put these nutrients in the baby farmers, which they did a year and a half later, September 19th, 2014, big headlines in the Charlotte Observer newspaper front page. We don't know why, but sentiment death syndrome has vanished in the state of North Carolina. And by then, of course, musculoskeletal had been gone and also cystic fibrosis. So those three diseases, cystic fibrosis, musculoskeletal and sentiment death syndrome are gone. Now, they represent the thinking of the medical system. They believed for several hundred years that cystic fibrosis and musculoskeletal were a genetic disease, were genetic diseases. And they weren't, they're were just simple nutritional deficiencies. Uh, these sentiment death syndrome, they had everybody believing that mothers were laying on the babies. No, it was just a simple deficiency of a nutrient. They're all dying of heart attacks. And so we're very, very proud that we're able to save so many kids since then because they're putting those um, uh, nutrients in the baby formulas all over the world. And we're saving literally millions of kids every year. So we're very, very proud of that. And do you think that there'd be one medical school, one HMATIC school, one veterinary school, one chiropractic school, one DO school, um, or any of these people uh, invite me to come and speak and you know, tell them how we discovered all this? And no, not one, because they're so embarrassed that they were going down the wrong trail for literally hundreds of years. And of course, that's a very, very sad case. Well, now we have another one that we're solving and uh, we're very, very proud of this one. And so I'm gonna go into that as, as my uh, monologue here today. And um, again, for those of you just joining us, uh, pharmacist Keith, his mother-in-law passed away. And so he's had to go and I apologize. Um, I've never done this particular show myself by myself and I don't have all the machinery and everything. So bear with me. Uh, when I get done with my monologue, I'll start asking for questions. So just be patient, line up and when somebody pops on, let me get finished with them and then the next one can pop on and so forth. Okay, well, what I wanna talk about is the carbon dioxide going up in the, in the environment. Um, and, and of course, uh, the pontification by the experts is that the carbon dioxide is going up um, because we have um, used too much fossil fuels. Okay, uh, these fossil fuels um, are the problem with the, with the carbon dioxide going up and the reefs dying and the whole earth is in trouble and blah, 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 because of fossil fuels. Well, that's absolutely 100% not true. Okay, it's another one of those that they're going down the wrong path. They've been going down the wrong path since the, uh, excuse me, since the 1880s. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna read this so I don't mess it up. This is kind of a, um, a draft of a news release we're gonna be releasing here in a couple of days. So hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed. Somebody will pick it up. If they don't, we'll tweak it a little bit and come at it a different direction. Okay. Fossil fuels have been blamed for global warming and um, critical, um, let's see here, elevations of environmental CO2 levels. Okay, in fact, fossil fuels are not the problem. Rather, the problem of CO2 elevation and um, global warming, okay, is caused by the um, restricted restriction of the nutrients required by plants to perform photosynthesis. Now, everyone, including kids, knows in grade school, knows that green plants containing chlorophyll and chloroplast 
require sunlight and CO2 to make CO2 and O2 and carbon compounds. Um, however, the, the instructors leave out the fact that um, chloroplasts, which are kind of like our, um, um, our little energy producing machines in our cells, okay, um, require 20 nutrients to perform photosynthesis as well as sunlight and um, CO2. Okay, what makes up, let's see, water makes up 71% of the Earth's surface, yet there are more species of plants and animals uh, of dry land than aquatic farms. 50 to 80% of the Earth's oxygen is produced in the ocean by plants. Uh, one species, uh, Prochlorococcus, uh, the smallest photosynthetic uh, organism on Earth produces about 20% of the O2 in our atmosphere. Uh, these uh, production rates um, change drastically, okay, and change constantly based on the water temperature, nutrient loads, light, and so obviously at nighttime, during the wintertime, there's going to be a lot less oxygen production and so forth, okay. I'll keep going here. Okay, zoanthellae, zoanthellae, which is kind of like the photosynthetic algae that lives in coral reefs with coral in cooperation with coral polyps, provides safe environment and compounds that encourage um, the algae to perform photosynthesis. Again, oxygen needed by the polyps, so they're cooperating. The polyps are providing a place in the reef for the algae and the algae is providing the oxygen for the polyps. There are 20 nutrients necessary for the photosynthesis to take place uh, along with um, sunlight and shallow water. That's why there's no reefs in the deep water because the light can't get down uh, to what would be a reef. And so let's, let's see, see here, chlorophyll, chloroplast, uh, 20 nutrients. Uh, and the various, various uh, biological cofactors. Okay, photosynthesis uh, breaks down CO2 to uh, compounds um, and O2 oxygen. 90% of the, of the algae um, byproduct of photosynthesis is, uh, see here, required by the polyps and the growth and maintenance of the reefs. Uh, when the process is interrupted, coral um, let's see, bleaching takes place. Now, coral bleaching is when the nutrients aren't getting to the algae and they can't produce the carbon compounds that the coral um, needs. And so the plants die, leaving the skeleton, which is limestone. Um, of the reef, and so it's white, and so they call it coral bleaching. They're blaming it on fertilizer and, and too much carbon dioxide in there, which is not true. Um, let's see here. Uh, the free carbon, um, let's see here. Uh, the free carbon um, uh, that are produced uh, by photosynthesis is used by algae to make um, sugar, um, carbohydrates, amino acids, proteins, enzymes, hormones, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, the reefs 
um, are dying now and the inevitable CO2 is going up, the environmental CO2 is going up and because of the fossil fuels, okay, not because of fossil fuels, but rather because of the dams have been dammed up by, by the rivers for hydroelectric, as see here, flood control, irrigation, community water supplies and storage. And this is shutting off the flow of minerals required and nutrients required for photosynthesis. We're almost done here. The 20 elements required for zooxanthellae to produce photosynthesis, to perform photosynthesis, okay, um, are macronutrients, are carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, calcium, magnesium, and uh, micronutrients are iron, manganese, boron, molybdenum, copper, zinc, chlorine, nickel, cobalt, sodium, and, sil and silicon. Historically, these uh, nutrients came from the silt and sediment runoff from the rivers uh, in the um, shallow shores of, uh, of continents and islands. Again, very shallow water so the light can penetrate to help them perform photosynthesis. Okay, and um, these come uh, again from the rivers and the shallow um, shores of continents and islands, particularly um, rivers, uh, river deltas, okay, particularly river deltas. Typically, the world's rivers provide 40 billion, that's 40 billion with a B, 40 billion tons of silt and sediment into the, the, the oceans and the deltas and the bays and the, and the gulfs every year. Of 40 billion tons. The advent of human activity, uh, including agriculture, um, hydroelectric, flood control, irrigation, and community water uh, storage uh, have interfered with this ancient cycle. In the USA, this just came out a couple of weeks ago, 150 million tons of silt uh, are removed each year from behind the dams in the United States and just used locally and not allowed to go out to the ocean. Um, in Egypt, 134 million tons of silt and um, sediment each year taken from behind the Aswan Dam alone. The Philippines, uh, where their, where their uh, reefs are dying also, 15 million tons each year from the three larger islands in the Philippines string of islands, including Luzon. And then Australia has 17 million tons of silt in, um, let's see here, Queensland. Now, Queensland, northeastern uh, Australia is where the Great Barrier Reef is, and the center of the Great Barrier Reef is what's dying. The northern one-third and the southern one-third are flourishing. Now, that gives you a clue. Well, it turns out there's 183 dams along the eastern, northeastern coast of Queensland and Australia. They have shut off the silt supply to the Great Barrier Reef, and that's why it's dying, not because of carbon fuels. Okay, it's kind of the, car the, the coral reef cannot... Uh, convert carbon dioxide into oxygen and carbon chains and everything it needs for itself and also for, for the reef polyps. And this is causing the problem. 183 dams and um, 
I, I just get freaked out about that. When you look at the map and you see all those circles where all those dams are on the East Coast, right in front of the Great Barrier Reef, you know what's happening. Okay, the Great Barrier Reef's condition is a um, red warning light that started in the 1880s. First one, okay, first red warning light was a hydroelectric dam in Grand Rapids, Michigan, of all places, to provide um, power for the Wolverine Chair and Furniture Manufacturing Company. Then at three o'clock in the afternoon, Monday, September 4th, 1882, on Pearl Street in New York City in the bluff overlooking the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City, Thomas Edison and Jonathan Leaves pulled the switch in the first commercial electric generating plant. Within, I don't know, 10, 14 years, um, every industrialized nation had converted from wood stoves and fireplaces and fire pits to electricity. And there was, I don't know, 45 to 50 different diseases that showed up. And this was the beginning of the darling of the medical system, genetics. Remember, there's no such thing as genetics, but back then they believed in it. And it, um, they said that all these diseases, all these new diseases were caused by bad genes. No, it was caused by lack of nutrition. Okay, there were nutritional deficiency diseases. And let's see here. Uh, samples from the Nile River uh, that were held in a museum in uh, Egypt. Okay, and this sample came from the year 4,795 BC. Uh, contains uh, 25, uh, no, excuse me, 27 different minerals. 27 different minerals. And the, the switch in modern times, again, was Thomas Edison, the switch from wood stoves and fireplaces and fire pits really was, was a bad thing because everybody was using the wood ashes from their stoves and fireplaces for gardens. The vegetables that suck up the minerals from the wood ashes and they put the wood ashes in their food. They actually put wood, I remember grandma putting wood ashes in the food. And again, um, the reefs, reefs are uh, an issue, but it's not because of carbon um, fossil fuels. It's not because of fossil fuels. It's because the red warning lights on, okay, because of pandemic, COVID-19, uh, Delta uh, variant, Lambda variant. And these follow a long list of plagues and, and pandemics over the hundreds of years, including things like the Asian flu, the Spanish flu, uh, H1N1, HIV, AIDS, um, um, let's see here, um, polio, MARS, MERS, SARS, all these things. And there, there were pandemics going on because everybody's immune system was dead because they didn't have these nutrients in their food anymore. And so that's what our problem is. And that's why we have to have everybody supplement. And we want everybody to start what they call a 90 for life victory garden, 90 for life victory garden. Victory gardens helped save America during and after the second world war. We need another victory garden, but this is gonna be in the 90 for life victory garden. And even if you live in an apartment building on the 25th floor uh, in New York city, uh, you can have a couple of half barrels on your porch and uh, use our blue and minerals with 78 minerals in it and grow some tomatoes and beans and uh, bell peppers and onions and things like that. And you'll be getting those nutrients along with the ones you're taking orally. I've been taking, of course, the 90 essential nutrients orally uh, for 74 years. I've been gluten-free for 74 years to maximize absorption. And, you know, I'm, I'm 82 and most people think I'm 50 when they look at me. So I want to um, invite questions at this point. 
And just remember that fossil fuels are not the problem. We've cut off the food supply to the ocean. And you notice that there's some places in the ocean, the reefs are flourishing. That's because there's no rivers um, being dammed up on those islands. Where the, where the reefs are dying, there's always a dam there, okay, shutting off the food supply, the 20 to 25 different nutrients that are necessary for the algae to perform photosynthesis. If you let everybody know how to get hold of you on your radio show. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, you can uh, give me a call, um, Pacific time, noon uh, to uh, one. My number for Dead Doctors Don't Lie, Monday through Friday, is one 888 That's 888-888-379-2552. Then from 1 to 2 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific time, it's Let's Play Doctor. It's 1-877-912-7529. 1-877-912-7529. And they're both toll-free. And, um, you know, uh, call us and we'll answer your questions and we'll save as many as we can. But uh, thank you so much, Pharmacist Keith, for setting everything yeah. up. Uh, your uh, followers, your uh, listeners uh, were just super. I always appreciate you. And in fact, this was a really good call today. So I'm glad I got it recorded. Uh, folks, okay. you can get hold of Dr. Wallach's books and CDs by going to drjwallach.com, drjwallach.com. Uh, be sure to get the red warning light and it, your doctor is killing you. Um, and if you jump over to our Facebook page, Give Doc 90 Days, uh, that's, not, uh, that's 90 spelled out, facebook.com slash Give Doc 90 Days with 90 spelled out. Uh, there's a new t-shirt available uh, with a quote from Dr. Wallach. And uh, to uh, take a look at that, I'm sure Dr. Wallach would appreciate it. And <laughs> we will see you again next week. And stay tuned because we're going to have a special call. Uh, we'll check with Dr. White's schedule to find the time. We'll get the information out Woo! there. So it's going to be a call to invite people so they can learn more about their health and the role that nutrition plays. Uh, and then after the call and after your guests see that, that uh, call, then you can refer them on to your health evaluation and uh, uh, see what you can do to help some folks. Dr. Wallach, again, thanks for jumping on here. I really appreciate it. Do you have any final words? Just don't forget the um, 90 for Life Victory Gardens. Yeah, and I noticed on Amazon they're taking pre-orders for your cookbook now. All right. Uh, I don't remember the title, Doc. I'll let you tell them that, but I, I saw it on Amazon yesterday. Okay, well, the title is Dr. Wallach's Cooking Without the Bad Foods book. And um, it was actually a three-year study by three um, professional chefs in Eastern Canada because I've been going up to Canada for 25 years and they, they really were doubting my recommendations for, for food and cooking and diets and everything. And so they made my uh, recipes um, for three years and got questionnaires from the people in the restaurants they were servicing. And they finally said, okay, Wallach, we have to agree with you. Everybody likes your food. And we've looked it up and studied it, and you're right. So I'm going to read you a quote on the back of the book, the back cover, Dr. Wallach's Cooking Without the Bad Foods. This is Chef Norman. He was the lead chef in these three chefs, Chef Norman. I have worked in the culinary industry for well over 20 years. When I first encountered Dr. Wallach's food recommendations, 
I believed it was impossible to cook that way. In the food industry, oil and gluten are ubiquitous and uh, beloved by everybody. Fortunately, I was wrong. In the last two years, we have recreated every dish I can think of without the forbidden ingredients. We've gone back to the basics of cooking and we have fit Dr. Wallach's recommendations into all of the methods I was taught in chef school and all these restaurants that they belong to. I've done my best to include as many variations uh, of traditional recipes. So this book should be able to feed a family of a huge variety of healthy food that also tastes good and retains the textures we know and love. There's 300 pages of recipes in here, pharmacist Keith, 300 recipes. And th this is the newest book. We got two more in the pipeline right now. And I think uh, with this um, uh, thing going on with the, uh, a photosynthesis thing. Yeah, well, the photosynthesis yeah. thing. I think that's going to be a third book coming out. So it's like it's like crazy. There's so much information that's needed to save as many people as we can. Because when you look back in history, there were so many misinformations. Um, pandemics and plagues aren't caused by evil spirits. Cystic fibrosis, muscarosphy, and sentiment death syndrome are not genetic diseases and the mothers weren't sleeping on their babies. You know, that kind of stuff. And as a pharmacist, you know what I'm talking about. They missed it by a thousand miles. Absolutely. Well, folks, I'm going to jump off here. I know Dr. White's got another call. Uh, I'm, if you have questions for me, you can text me 502-212-2929. 502-212-2929. I will get back with you if you text me. Thank you, sir. Colonel Wallach, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to the Health and Wellness Hour with Dr. Joel Wallach and pharmacist Keith Abel. If you found value in this episode, be sure to like and share. Also, to be notified when the next episode is posted, click on the subscribe button, then hit that little bell symbol. If you have any questions or comments for pharmacist Keith or Dr. Wallach, you may send a private email to askpharmacistkeith at live.com or by visiting the Facebook page, Give Doc 90 Days to Better Health, Wellness, and Longevity. To hear more from Pharmacist Keith, subscribe to this Prosperity Rx podcast. Prosperity Rx is your prescription for prosperity. Prosperity is more than just creating wealth. Prosperity includes health and wellness, personal development and motivation, as well as financial peace and prosperity. Subscribe to Prosperity Rx on your favorite podcast platform. To hear more from Dr. Wallach, he has two nationally syndicated radio programs daily, Dead Doctors Don't Lie and Let's Play Doctor. Check your local radio listings for details. Also, check out the archives of his past shows at radio.givedoc90days.com. One last thing, if you'd like to join Dr. Wallach's crusade to share his message with others, contact Pharmacist Keith, and he'll teach you how to share the message and create some extra income at the same time. Contact Pharmacist Keith through his email address, keith at prosperityrx.com, or call or text at 502-212-2929. Remember, Keith is still a practicing pharmacist and can't always pick up the phone right away, so leave your name, number, and best time to call, and he'll return your call as soon as possible. Thanks again for tuning in.